You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Why is there no perfect translation? Because the word in one country means something totally different on the other side of the planet. There is no such thing as a perfect Bible translation. It can be accurate to what God said, but that doesn't mean it's perfect in the translation because languages are so different and the meanings of words change from culture to culture and people to people. God has protected His Word throughout the centuries, and He gave us an incredible gift when printing allowed access to the masses just a few centuries ago. Since then, there have been hundreds of versions in English alone, as well as over 700 translations into other languages. As Pastor Danny will warn us in today's message, this wide variation, along with other factors, leads to varied interpretations by believers. We need to be wary of dividing over matters that aren't essential to our faith in Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 14 as he continues his message dealing with disputable matters. one of the singers from Regeneration and Doug and I became friends and we're doing a, a high school up north and we're after our production and our presentation, Doug and I are walking around and one of the classes at this school as we're packing up, they were doing a dance class and Doug was going on about how great that was to doing a dance class. And because of my teaching in the Baptist church, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's evil. I can't believe they're teaching dance. That was my mentality. But Doug, he thought it was great. And so Over time, what we've developed here is a policy that most of you know here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and we have a policy on dancing. And I want you to share with the newcomers what it is. I'm going to say count to three, and we'll say it out loud on our policy on dancing. You ready? One, two, three. Some can, some can't. That's our policy. (laughs) You know how many times in the scriptures it encourages us to dance unto the Lord? Miriam got the tambourines and the ladies, they, they, they led everybody after the Red Sea crossing and they were singing and they were dancing and they had tambourines. I'm telling you, dance and do it under the Lord. But here, some can, some can't. Fashion, 1 Timothy chapter 2, boy, <laughs> you talk about differences. What people have done to interpret this passage I want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Always takes me back to early days at Calvary Chapel. We were meeting on 54th Avenue and 69th Street. Back in the day, it was called the Sons of Italy Lodge. Across the street, there's still a ministry there called Camp Freedom. 
They let us use one of their rooms for our children's ministry. I got to know the leadership of Camp Freedom back in the day. Now, I haven't talked to them for years, years, so I don't know what they believe today. But back in the day, they took this verse and they believed that women should not wear any jewelry and no makeup. And let me tell you, I'm all for makeup. <laughs> they went so far, the leadership back in the day, I got to know them and they believed, they believed that if you wore blue jeans, you were not just unspiritual, you were going to hell. They said that to me. I love them, but amazing how they took some things in regard to fashion we divide over these things. <laughs> First Corinthians eleven fourteen. My uncle James, been with the Lord now for years, but he helped disciple me in my very early days before I went off to Liberty. And after a Wednesday night service at our Baptist church back home, he took me to his office downtown Hartsville. He opened the Bible to 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. I was an old rock and roller hippie, wild, crazy. So when I got saved, I had had my hair cut, but it was still a bit over my ears. It was still long. And I know it's a hard, you have a hard time imagining me with hair at all, but I did. We have pictures to prove it. Took me in his office, turned me to the scripture. And it says, doesn't nature teach you that it's a shame for a man to have long hair, but a woman's hair is given to her for her glory. And he asked me, Danny, now what does a woman's hair cover? I thought, I thought, and I turned to my uncle. I said, her hair, her ears. He said, exactly. And so after that, lucky, luckily, I got a free haircut after that from my stepfather who was a barber, and I got my haircut above my ears. And then I walked into the Baptist church, and them little grandmothers are coming and kissing me, and they say, now you look so much more like a Christian. Because <laughs> you got your haircut. They'd be proud of me today, man. <laughs> At Liberty. We go into chapel and they had guards. They called them RAs, resident and assistants, by the door. And if your hair was touching your ears as a guy, they write you up. You say, how'd you survive that? I don't know, but I made it. They told me my drums. I was a rock and roll drummer and I, I wanted to be a rock star, you know. And they said, you can't play those drums anymore. So I gave up the drums. But back to hair length. Some people, some places, beards are taboo. Tattoos, this is where I really get in trouble with the parents. You gave my child permission to get a tattoo. I did not. And I'm not intending to do that. Leviticus 19.28, the new NIV that I use now for teaching, um, actually translates the word tattoos, but it's marks on your body, putting marks on your body. But in the context, that was the Old Testament context of association with worshiping false gods and idols. And one of the things they do is they put these marks on their bodies to honor their gods. My wife and I, a few years ago, were talking about prophecy, and she mentioned from Revelation 19, 16, that when Jesus comes back, it says he's got a name written on his body, on his thigh. You know what he has? On his thigh, written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And she asked me as we were just talking about this prophetic thing, you know, she said, do you think that's a tattoo? I said, I've never thought about it. I don't know. But we don't believe it's magic marker. <laughs> I don't believe it's one of those wash off things. It's there. It's permanent. It's on his body. 
King of kings and Lord of lords. So if you're going to get a tattoo, get one that's honoring to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you're still living with your parents, don't get one without permission. But Jesus has got something. King of kings. Lord of lords. I love that every one of the tattoos that my son Jairus has is honoring to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The only one I have honors my wife, Wendy. And it's one of the best things I ever did. I'll never lose this ring. And if I lose this ring, I'm in trouble. The guy that did this tattoo, <laughs> the guy that did this tattoo, a Christian brother, he had tattoos all over. And he had one on, I think it was his right arm of an old girlfriend. It didn't work out. And so he tattooed Void through her name. <laughs> I told him when he was doing mine, I said, I'm never going to put Void through Wendy. Playing cards. Jared's having an all-nighter with the youth, the guys, a few weeks ago. And somebody brought some playing cards because it's an all-nighter deal and they're playing games and stuff. And he called me and said, Dad, somebody brought playing cards. I just want to make sure, is that okay? Some people associate the playing cards with the casino or with the old life of drinking and partying and poker. My kids grew up playing poker. We played No Limit Texas Hold'em. That was our number one game. And it was so great because it's the way I won the allowance that I had given them back. <laughs> it helped the budget tremendously, those games. But some people, it's the association. Can you believe Bible translations? There's some places where if it's not, if it's not King James, you are not, you are not accepted. It's King James only. If it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. King James Version wasn't around when the Apostle Paul was there. <laughs> Those are the things we don't even think about, you know. Let me give you one on this. One. Come on. Listen. There is no perfect Bible translation. There is no such thing. I'm not saying there aren't accurate translations. The only perfect translation is the one in the original language. That is from the breath of God. Why is there no perfect translation? Because the word in one country means something totally different on the other side of the planet. There is no such thing as a perfect Bible translation. It can be accurate to what God said, but that doesn't mean it's perfect in the translation because languages are so different and the meanings of words Change from culture to culture and people to people. But it's a shame we divide over these things. Other. And the list goes on. Thank God I'm done with the list for today, but the list goes on. People come to me after every service. You didn't mention politics. I said, thank God. <laughs> you didn't mention masks or no masks. I said, thank God. Disputable matters. God wants all believers to mature. To mature. And as we mature, what will happen is in maturity, the mature believer, not to treat with contempt the immature believer. The immature believer is not to judge or condemn the mature believer. And the mature believer is to be careful not to offend or cause an immature believer to stumble. To stumble. One more verse, section, and I left it out on purpose, but we got to go back very quickly and go to Romans 15. And you got to read... Verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Where does the weight lie with the mature? 
and not to please ourselves. Each of you should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up, for even Christ did not please himself. So don't flaunt your freedom. Be sensitive. You say, well, how do I know if it's an immature believer? I'll tell you one of the greatest ways to know whether it's an immature believer. There's a difference in an immature believer, and if you understand my meaning, a Pharisee. A Pharisee. A Pharisee is so locked in to what they believe, they are unbending. They are unbending. They don't want to hear the other side of it. They're just going to condemn you. They're just going to preach at you and condemn you. But if you have somebody that's really open and really knows Christ and open to growing, growing, then that person, that person is teachable. When my professor, Dr. Kroll, back in Liberty, was teaching the book of Romans, it's one of the few things I remember. I forgot most of what my professor said, but he's teaching on Romans 14. And I remember him one day saying, you have to determine in regard to the weaker brother or sister, whether it's really a weaker brother or sister or whether they're just a pain in the neck. And I was taken aback that he actually said that, but I've never forgotten it. So how do you know? Pharisees will always be offended at our freedom in Christ. Always. And they are not willing to learn. They're not willing to change. They're not willing to hear the other side of the biblical argument. Paul the Apostle. Saul of Tarsus was the most kosher man you would ever meet. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, but he learned and he grew. First Timothy, he writes, all food, all food clean and anything should be accepted because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. And then he mentioned, or I mentioned Mark chapter seven, Mark chapter seven, in the context of Jesus and his earthly ministry and his first coming, he's dealing with these same Pharisees. They were so legalistic, they were so not only into the law, which they should have been, but they added so much to the law that they missed the heart of the law. And Jesus says to them, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. And he tried to show them that it's the heart of the matter. But then he declared all foods clean. That really got them mad. But Jesus declared all foods Clean. Can my meat eater say amen? amen? Can my lobster eater say amen? amen? Praise the Lord. And we're not trying to flaunt it, but that's just the truth. If you want to be a vegetarian and you do it, fine, have at it. Have at it. <laughs> I'm getting the steak and the lobster. Religious days, Colossians chapter two, Paul wrote and he said, all those religious days under the old covenant, under the law, he said, every one of them related to and referenced and had something in relation to prophetically Christ, Christ doesn't mean you still can't practice them, especially if you're Jewish, doesn't mean you still can't honor them and know what they mean. But all of them, he said there in Colossians two, they are shadows, shadows. My shadow is a reflection of the real me, but the shadow is not me, and all of those are shadows. The reality is Christ. Everything about all those religious days are fulfilled in Christ. 
So every day is a holy day. Every day is a holy day. Galatians, the people went back to the old ways and Paul blasted them. And he said it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. One of the things Paul grew in, man, this was a big deal. We can't understand this, but it was a big deal to circumcise your children. And Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, we studied it weeks and months ago. A Jew is not one if he's just one outwardly, but he's one if he's one inwardly. And circumcision is of the heart. And he said to the Galatians, if you're depending on circumcision for your righteousness, then Christ has no value to you. You need to understand that the physical circumcision represents a greater spiritual reality. And your reproach is rolled away in Christ from the most personal parts of your life that nobody else sees. It's covered. It's washed. You're clean. It's under the blood. Hallelujah. Peter matured in these matters. He also grew up so kosher and in that Pharisaic mentality. That was the culture. I'll just give you one example. Acts chapter 10. It's dinner time. Peter's on the roof as they're making the meal. Peter gets hungry, but he falls into a trance. God gives him a vision a sheet let down from heaven with all kind of unclean animals, non-kosher. And the voice from heaven says, Peter, get up, kill and eat. No way, Lord. I've never eaten anything that's not kosher. Well, Peter's a little bit thick-headed. He doesn't get the message. He doesn't get it the first time. He understands, but he doesn't agree. And so he says, no way. Sheet comes down a second time. Same message. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No way, Lord. Third time, finally, Peter, Peter, third time, comes down, same message. And right after the third time, some men show up at the door, requesting that Peter comes to the house of an uncircumcised Gentile, a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Cornelius, in anticipation of Peter coming, has invited all his family, all his friends. His house is full of uncircumcised Gentiles. Peter goes. When he walks in the door, first thing he says is, I want you to know, I'm defiling myself based on the religious culture, and I'm going to be criticized for it by being just in this house with you. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean that he's made clean. And then he shares the message of Jesus Christ, and as he's sharing, the Holy Spirit falls on all those in that room, all those uncircumcised Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They get the gift of tongues like the Jewish believers got on the day of Pentecost there in Jerusalem. And it says that Peter and those with him were astonished that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these uncircumcised Gentiles. Before they started a kosher diet, before they went to synagogue, before they did anything Jewish, before they observed anything in the Old Testament law, God saved them and God filled them with his Holy Spirit. And if Peter had not learned that lesson, he would have never had the privilege of leading that room full of people to the Lord. When he got back to Jerusalem, Acts chapter 11 tells us the first thing that happens because people have been talking and the word spread quickly that Peter had gone into the home of Cornelius with all these uncircumcised Gentiles. And the first thing they do when Peter shows up, we heard you went in and ate with a bunch of uncircumcised Gentiles. This is the church criticizing him. But if he had not learned his lesson, he'd have never had the privilege 
of being a witness and leading all those people to Christ. In Matthew 11, Jesus talked about the Pharisees and he said to them, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you make him one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. That really got them offended. But let me tell you what that tells us. That narrow-minded, pharisaical mindset. They had a hard time finding people that wanted to join their church. They had a hard time finding people that wanted to convert to Phariseeism. Why? Because they were so narrow-minded and so self-righteous, so legalistic. Is our lifestyle attractive? Because if our lifestyle is not attractive, our message is not going to be attractive. This is such an important issue, not only, not only for peace and mutual edification. This is an important message for our witness. Now, I'm almost out of time. I am out of time. In everything you do, maintain a clear conscience. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If you can't do it to the glory of God, don't do it. Live in light of the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to all stand before the judgment seat. Be considerate of immature believers. If they came from an alcoholic background and a problem with alcohol, why in the world, if you know that, why would you flaunt your freedom in front of them? Just stay away from it. Keep it between you and yourself and you and God. And practice it personally. But don't knowingly put it out there. If somebody came from a gambling you know, background, why in the world are you going to say, you want to play No Limit Texas Hold'em? You know? No. If you know that, then you know their background. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to do anything that will stumble them. Be considerate of immature believers. And never forget the goal. What's the goal? Love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And then the gospel. Wish I had the time, but you can write it down. 1 Corinthians 9. Paul, Paul said, I put it this way. Paul said, I've become a chameleon for Christ. A chameleon changes colors. He didn't change his morality stance. He didn't change and violate moral standards. But what he says there is when I went into a group, I was sensitive to what they believed and who they were. And when I went around people under the law, I acted like I was under the law. He said, I'm not under the law. I'm under the law of Christ. But I acted like I was under the law. So if they were kosher, I ate kosher. But he said, I didn't violate moral standards, but I tried to fit in with whatever group I was with because I want to reach all of them for Christ. So when you're around with a person, they got tattoos from the head to the feet, you know, and you got an issue with tattoos, is really the best way to be a witness to start out talking about their tattoos? Find one you like if you can and say, hey, that's a nice one. Hey, you got a lot of tattoos. Hey, tell me the story. Build a relationship with them. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. May we grow. And may our lives and our lifestyles become more and more attractive. So that when we share the message about Jesus, it's not about eating and drinking. It's not about whether you can dance or whether you can't. It's not about Bible translations. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
and they'll see our lives and go, there's something about you that I want. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings by visiting ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are unable to meet in person. So please don't let distance stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that today's teaching from the Book of Romans has encouraged you. Be sure to join Pastor Danny Hodges next time, right here on The Living Word.